Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? It is a rainy, rainy Wednesday, and we are back! You know, that works for this article. It (laughs) does? The voice, you know. Sounds like a a baseball broadcaster. Oh, okay. Sounds like, what's-his-face, the Chicago guy. Hi, everybody. Harry Carey, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What I mean, Will Ferrell is his name. Um, Episode 28. We are weeks behind. We apologize for that. Rob got vaccinated. I got vaccinated. We had a lot of things going on. Some work things came up. The vaccines came up. A little COVID scare came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we're all good. So, without further ado, as I think we've said in the last couple episodes, I want to get right down to this one. This one is a very short article, folks. Sure is. Turn yourself down just a hair, Nick. Yeah, you got it. We're a little bit louder than when we do the checks. Yeah, that <laughs> happens. Um so this episode comes from CBSSports.com. Uh, I guess you can say this is a sports pitch, but mm, not really. I, I don't imagine either of us did an actual sports yeah. pitch. I, well. I did have more trouble. We, we did come up with a challenge last episode to try to you know branch off from our articles uh, to be a little bit more oh, yeah. brainstormy. Um, I didn't do as much there. I wanted to, but... Um, I'm very interested to see what you brought together. Uh, So without further ado, guys, we're going to read this article because it's very short. It's only a couple paragraphs. Uh, This is from CBSSports.com. The title is, it's not really an article title. It's kind of like a sentence. Uh, uh, Man claims he lived in secret apartment at Philadelphia's Veterans Stadium in New Memoir. This was also uh, written this year. This is new. This is from March 11th. Um, So this is a very recent article. Uh, between the 1970s and 80s, a veteran of the Vietnam War lived in a makeshift apartment that was located inside the now-demolished Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia, according to a new book. The details of the apartment itself and the stories that happened within are told in The Secret Apartment, Vet Stadium, A Surreal Memoir by Tom Garvey, the 78-year-old whose re- residence reads like it came out of a sports fan's fantasy. Garvey claims he was able to get his, quote, apartment when family members who worked in and around the stadium hired him to run the parking lot outside, which gave him keys to the venue, including a secret entrance. He then refurbished a concession stand across from his office into the secret residence and held parties with Philly celebrities and fans while doing things the biggest local sports fans could only dream of doing, such as drugs in the Phillies dugout or roller skating around the concourse. Quote, I was like a kid with a Willy Wonka golden ticket, end quote, Garvey told the Philadelphia Inquirer who corroborated his story. The idea to tell his story in a book came after he began telling stories of the apartment on Facebook as the pandemic began to lift the spirits of his friends. The stadium itself hosted the Eagles and Phillies during its lifespan, and the apartment was active between 1979 and 1981 when his uncle's contract with the venue ended. Veterans was demolished in 2004. And while there's no evidence, sorry, no physical evidence of the apartment, Garvey says that he didn't want to take pictures for fear of getting caught. The Inquirer was able to find some people willing to back up the now 78-year-old story, including Eagles Hall of Famer Bill Bradley. That's the whole article. (laughs) It's, I'm kind of annoyed at it. And it's just like they would tantalize you by being like, yeah, a guy built an apartment at a major league baseball yeah. stadium and no one noticed. Yeah. I, I I in my in my mind I'm imagining the uh the secret subway station and TMNT the secret of the use. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> That's what I'm imagining like this giant lavish area where he has everything he could possibly want. <laughs> yeah, that's real, right? The secret <laughs> subway station? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, always wanted to go down there. Yeah, that should be on our, our What Do You Got trip to New York. Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't visit Veterans Stadium uh, because that's gone now. That's true. It was demolished. Yes. We can uh, we can visit its footprint. 
There you go. It's it's the parking lot. <laughs> Same with City Field. We can go visit Shay. Um, it's the parking lot. So I mean, so yes, Rob. So obviously, Rob and I are baseball fans. We're Yankee fans. We're sports fans. Uh, hey, they're sports fans. Um, we've pitched a a couple sports episodes, or only well, we well, we, we've we've pitched a baseball episode. We've pitched a baseball <laughs> episode, but we've also pitched a little bit in the end of our uh, the Wool Horizon episode. Uh, the animated because they end up in the uh, Yankee Stadium. Yep, yep. They're, um, they're technically, the grounds crew. Of yeah, <laughs> uh, I so, loved the, I loved that pitch. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a such a good, cute little film. Um, so this one's gonna be a little bit different because I don't think either of us did go the route of like a sports stadium or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but why don't we why don't we get this started, Rob? Indeed. Uh, so since we brought the article to the table, Nick, what do you got? All right. So my article, or sorry, my my pitch, um, is similar to the article that we read. I'm kind of – the way that I want to pitch this is a romantic retelling of Rear Window. Um, there, <laughs> you, I, I'll let you sit on that for a second. Uh, you, I feel like you and I might have different readings of that film. <laughs> I don't, well, don't know you, how to put a romantic spin on it. What are you talking about? It's a love story. Grace Kelly's in it. So it's just – Okay. <laughs> um, so basically – I, I don't know why, but the idea of the movie The Terminal came into my head mm-hmm. uh, with Tom Hanks. So, spoiler alert, my director of choice is Steven Spielberg, oh, um, which is funny that we have not used him yet. Um, it, it feels it feels like playing a video game with cheats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, so, my, my idea is that about a man who kind of lives in the secret apartment inside of an apartment complex. Like, it's it's a single building. It's a small building, maybe two or three floors. Um, and it's in New England, so it's, like, maybe up somewhere near, like, Martha's Vineyard. Like, it's a very nice place. Um, and he founds this, he finds this, like, secret apartment that he's able to stay in. He's a little bit of a recluse. Uh, he's not, uh, you know, he's not dangerous. He's not crazy. He's just kind of, like, a silent, quiet type of person. Um, and he kind of watches over the families and, and couples and people who live in this apartment building. Um... You look like you want to say something. No, no, just like a couple different movies were popping into my, my oh, okay. head uh, that have different elements of that. It's, yes. it's a cool concept. Um, so the, the premise is that he's kind of just watching these people as they go through their daily lives. And without taking any credit, he's helping them fix things. Uh, in terms of the main couple I have in this story uh, is a husband and wife who are going through a rough spot. And came up with the ideas of him somehow trying to fix things for them. Like the wife tells the, tells the husband she wants to meet him for dinner or somewhere. And he knows that the husband's going to forget. So he actually leaves a note on the door or something as the wife, just so that he can kind of like help them out. Um, I, I have a pitch for that sequence. Okay. Which is, is not that he's like leaving reminders. He, he over the course of like a work day, sort of manipulates him and implants things in his head that makes sure it's constantly coming up. Okay. And he even finds ways to redirect his walk home. Oh, oh I like that. So that it is like quite he, impossible for him to either forget or he might even just stumble to the restaurant. Could be that or like even like he he gets him to somehow stop in front of a flower shop. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he he drops something on the street or something and like it, it turns him to the left or whatever, stuff uh, like that. Cones, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's perfect. Uh, but basically, and, and I have the other idea of like there's this little kid who lives in the building and uh, he's like, you know, accident prone or something and he somehow helps the kid like – uh, not get hurt and things like that. It's very simple, very subtle things mm-hmm. that I want to make sure that I don't delve into the environment of him being like, you know, uh, a voyeur of like a dangerous type, you know? I don't yeah, want him to be tough creepy. Line. Yeah, it's a tough very, line. very tough line with this idea. He's not creepy. He's not, you know, uh, you know, a stalker or anything like that. Um but through the secret entrance that he can get through, he can actually see and hear all the other apartments and stuff in the complex. Uh, so like I said, my director of choice is Steven Spielberg. Uh, my cast, my main guy, who's the the man inside the hotel who's, you know, watching over everybody, uh, is going to be played by Stanley Tucci. Fuck yes. Because um, I wanted someone older and someone who, let's face it, the man's a chameleon. He can do anything. Yeah, he, uh, he's not really great. Have you noticed Stanley Tucci is going through some kind of weird re- renaissance yeah. Lately, like he keeps showing up in things and like 
in he writes articles about food and yeah. people have just like decided that he's the hot bald guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. I love him to he's death. He's fantastic. Um the couple that he tries to help uh try to like make sure that they don't end up, you know, getting a divorce or whatever, just helping their relationship. Uh I got Lil Ray Harry uh, blah, blah. Lil Ray Harry um and Tessa Thompson. Ooh. Uh the two of them play the husband and wife. For the kid that he helps out, uh I've got Brady Noon who's one of the boys from Good Boys. Um, oh, okay. The one that's not Jacob Tremblay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I also have an elderly man that I kind of based a little bit off of our um, Collier brothers, okay. uh, who is an actual recluse who's like a very old – it's a very sad subplot where it's a very old man who has no family, lives by himself, mm-hmm. and at some point maybe he has like a medical uh, emergency oh that Stanley Tucci's character is able to get a, an ambulance to him or something because he's able to watch. Uh, that's played by Richard E. Grant, um, who's Good fantastic. Choice. Good choice. And then I was – I don't know if I want to do this, but I, I have <sighs> – I have like a female love interest type, but I feel like that gets a little bit way too into the stalker esque category. Mm-hmm. But if I were gonna bring her in, it would be played by Elizabeth Shue, um, just so that it's. Uh, I wanted I wanted my main character and stuff to be an older. Uh, and I didn't want him to be like a thirty year old dude. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. where Stanley Tucci comes into play. Um, and uh, Elizabeth Shue is uh, right in his age range as well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I brought that in. Um, and then a couple titles that I came up with. Uh, I have From Afar, but I feel like that sounds a little bit too suspenseful, a little bit too psychological thriller. A little thriller. bit. Like... Um, I have Compartment, but our last episode is called Compound. Yes, so it it's a little too close. <laughs> and the other one I have is just called Your Neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? <laughs> Which is funny because I was going to use you? Marielle as my director, but I also realized that I used her recently because um, I used her in oh, – what episode was that? I think I used her in Runner's High, maybe? I don't think it was that one. It was It was one of them. Rec- one of the recent ones yeah. I did use her. Um, but, yeah, that's my that's my pitch. Um, for this this lovely little film. Uh, so, Rob, what Please do you got? Won't you be my neighbor. Uh, well, I, I went uh, a different direction than than you did. Um, I, I I like how sentimental yours is. It uh, it does feel very in line with Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, that notion. Um, I wanted to beyond just exploring the fun notion of somebody making an apartment in a major league baseball stadium and just how bizarre that is. Um, I thought this would be a fun way to explore, um, the evolution of Philadelphia and the, hmm. the shift, um, that it definitely kind of went through in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Yeah. Um, something that New York never really had to, cause New York really was never an industrial town. Philly yeah. was, Pittsburgh yeah. was. So they had these kind of transfers from, a very blue collar working man city into what they are nowadays. Yeah. Money wise. So I'm starting with, uh, my lead character is Charlie day. Okay. Uh, as the, as the apartment dweller, <laughs> um, who, uh, I started the movie in 1975. He's a bird lawyer, right? He's a, yeah, he's, he's the best goddamn bird lawyer in the world. <laughs> um, I started the movie in 1975. Okay. Um, I, I did like actual research in the city of Philadelphia for this. Nice. Uh, in 1975, there was a massive fire in Philly uh, called the Gulf Refinery Fire. It was an 11 alarm fire, uh, and I believe a dozen uh, firefighters were actually killed. Is 11 alarm? Is that like the the danger alarm? Yeah, it's it's a rating of danger, okay. and uh, it refers to how many full units are responding to a fire. Generally, oh wow. So, so like, 11 yeah. units did. Yeah. Wow. So that's at least 11 trucks. Yeah. Um, and that to me is kind of like this high watermark of, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of docks and everything in Philly, you know, mm-hmm. being on fire and, and this happening. Uh, that's where I start the movie. We're going to have Charlie be uh, a guy who was working there and survives. What, what place was it that, bur- that burned It's out? a Gulf oil refinery. Oh, okay. Um, the whole thing was almost lost because those huge, you know, those huge white storage tanks yeah. you see, yeah, like, yeah. those caught fire. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that to me is like sort of the the symbol of the beginning of the death of Philadelphia as an industrial town. 
and so I have Charlie. Um, people think he died in the fire, mm-hmm. and he doesn't correct them because <laughs> he was making shit money, and nobody cares <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, and he gets an off the books job uh, at Veterans Stadium, uh, cleaning up after the Phillies, uh, and is not making good money. And then uh, discovers adjacent to the janitor's office, like this guy. Uh, there's a, sp- a completely empty space. You just have, you go through a little like airway duct thing, mm-hmm. and then it's just this huge, yeah, like open loft apartment space. It's it's like uh, it's Fry and Bender's uh, apartment in the beginning of Futurama. Yeah, and there's like you want to live in the closet. <laughs> it's exactly it's exactly kind of <laughs> like that. Like it's it's not for that at all. But he's got this space, and he starts. Uh, ripping off things from the Phillies and other surrounding places and hiding them in here and furnishing it as an apartment in his own pad. Yeah. And he becomes kind of the lord of his own little land. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I have two other characters in the movie. One is his best friend, uh, who is played by Anthony Anderson. Okay. And the other is Bradley Cooper as Mike Schmidt, the greatest Philadelphia Philly of all time. <laughs> Bradley Cooper is Mike Schmidt. Okay. Picture him with the mustache. I was just going to say, does he have the mustache? With the mustache <laughs> and the long hair. Uh, R.I.P. Wade Box. <laughs> Wade Box is very much alive, Charlie. <laughs> Wade, Wade Box would roll in his grave if you can see your behavior, man. No, he wouldn't because he's alive, Charlie. <laughs> uh, and um, from there... Uh, I want him to kind of get caught up in a new burgeoning culture in Philadelphia uh, with more kind of money and yuppie culture coming to town in the dawn of the 80s, it going from an industrial city into sort of this Manhattan-ish vibe. He's he's basically watching it being gentrified. Yes. Okay. He he has basically made himself a nest from which to watch Philadelphia – Hmm. Turn from this, like you know, what's that Mark Wahlberg Invincible movie uh, oh, type yeah, of yeah. thing into into modern Philly with expensive apartment rates and you know the Philly is becoming less of your neighborhood team and yeah. a multi million dollar now multi billion dollar yeah uh, institution. I want him to start bringing people to the apartment. Um, he starts trying to like schmooze with these wealthy celebrities and and new real estate developers and all these people who are coming to Philly's games. And insinuate himself into a kind of life that he never had. And he has a lot of disposable income because he doesn't pay room and board. So does he... So he's bringing people to this apartment. So he people know... He's that, throwing private parties. So people know that he lives there. People that he invites in, yes. The okay, but it's not, it's not common know. knowledge. No. Okay. But he's bringing, like, you know, real estate guys and businessmen and all these people gentrifying Philly and, like, you know, actors and everything, too. And they're they're... Drinking, doing drugs during Phillies games. Yeah, it's, it's the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> and he starts doing this with other guys from the Phillies, who I'm I'm just gonna make up Phillies. I don't want to put that. Oh on yeah, yeah, yeah. On anybody. Made up players, we can use the players we wrote for our sketch. Exactly. <laughs> um, Rufus Berry Black. Because I want to use Mike Schmidt as like that's kind of the end goal for Charlie throughout this film. Is is if I get to be friends with Mike Schmidt, mm-hmm. then I'm the guy yeah. in Philly. I'm not just you know rubbing elbows with all these people with money. Now I now I can say I know Mike. <laughs> I don't have to say Schmidt. I know Mike. Um, and Mike Schmidt being that sort of Derek Jeter, Don Mattingly esque figure yeah. for Philly, I definitely repre- feel Mattingly. Yeah, yeah, is is representative of the kind of spirit of Philadelphia yeah. in its sporting sense that way. And I do want him to reject Charlie. Okay, and the constant offerings of coke and whatnot. <laughs> From this party room that he's yeah. created, it's like a breakout room. <laughs> um, and so uh, things come to a head with the. Uh, I'm losing my dates. I got them in my phone. You're in about like the mid '80s, I think. Um, I got it. Uh, things come to a head with um, Game Six of the 1980 World Series, mm. uh, where they uh, clinched their first championship over the Royals. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge, huge event. There were riots in the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is the high water mark of Charlie hobnobbing with people and having these good time parties at Veteran Stadium and getting away with a lot of things and stealing. Yeah. Uh, and and really becoming a parasite. Um, and he gets a little too self involved. He starts thinking he's part of the Phillies. Yeah, he's part of the team and stuff. Yeah, like, I live here. You just work here. 
Yeah. Like he starts <laughs> he starts being that fucking arrogant at like the closer for the Phillies. <laughs> um and that's that's what it sort of takes that turn of power power, quote unquote, has gotten to his head. Um and things collapse in January of eighty one. Uh, when the uh, the Cowboys play the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, um, at the end of the game, Philadelphia police circled the field with horses and dogs, as they had to do after the Phillies won the series. Uh, despite this, uh, Eagles fans successfully rushed the field. End quote. Uh, and that's that's where he he accidentally tips his hand and lets people know that he in fact lives in the stadium. Because he's trying to become lord of the Phillies fans, and he accidentally blows up his own spot, and is summarily kicked kicked out of Veterans Field, and no one knows who he is. <laughs> and this is sort of the life he's wrought. In his mind, he's like, "Oh my God, they're gonna want me to speak after they just won." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gets he gets that self involved solely because he lives he lives next to the janitor's closet <laughs> at Veterans Field. That's great. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's my pitch. Uh, who did you say was your director? Oh, I didn't. Uh, Adam McKay. Okay, mm. okay. And titles? Caught Stealing. God, that's good. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> Sorry. <I hate> you. <laughs> you know, you're the one that used to hate the puns, and now I feel like you've been coming up with all the puns. that's names. not a pun. <laughs> that's literally what he did. Yeah, but it's a pun based off of what's the, the genre and the sports aspect of it. Come on. I mean... I guess so. It's a baseball term. So is Moneyball. We we didn't pitch Moneyball. I, I, you don't know that? <laughs> no, we do know that. We're not I that didn't. smart. <laughs> oh, fraud. <laughs> I pitch Moneyball. Um, all right. Let's see. Where do we go? Where do we go with this? We are Water very we two, two very different films. Oh, yeah. Um, Oof, this this is tough. <laughs> I mean, I I took the challenge and I wanted to to really, I mean, as a, a New York metropolitan guy, I wanted yeah. to try and use this as an excuse to explore the evolution of a city that I am not familiar with. Now, here's my question for you: Are there any "It's Always Sunny" cameos? <laughs> you got Charlie back in Philly. You gotta have some type of nod. <laughs> I uh, I would say actually, um. Rob McElhenney mm-hmm. and Caitlin Olson do own a bar in Philly called Max. I didn't know that actually. Uh, yeah, they, it's obviously not where they shoot because they yeah, shoot yeah. in Los Angeles. But uh, I figured maybe we could use that as a film. Like after the fire, that's where Charlie and Anthony Anderson go to have a beer and be like, I'm going to smell like ass for three days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're served up by. Uh, yeah, and Rob McElhenney yeah. can be the bartender. <laughs> that's great. And it's literally just a, oh, hey, thanks. They drop the beers and that's it. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe Dennis is incredibly, not Dennis, Glenn Howerton is incredibly yeah. drunk and <laughs> demands that they put on the Phillies game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> kind of the ding. What are they hiring? Um, okay. Let's see. What are we doing? Yeah, this is this is this is a tough thing to merge. Yeah, uh, it, I don't know if we're gonna be able to. Yeah, yours is very sentimentally helpful and hopeful. Yeah, and, mine is... and yours is very much Charlie Day being Charlie Day. Yeah, like, <laughs> piece of shit. Um, I wonder if we can merge some of these concepts. Um, I think the the easiest way that I can think is like. If we do place it in an older time, the 70s, the 60s, or something like that, in my version of the story, you can have a baseball player who lives in the hotel or something like that. Um, in yours, it's a little bit tougher just because we oh, would... I, I, I got it for mine. Is That's the character turn for Charlie. Helping? Is, yeah, he, he originally is like using, uh, using all this time he has by himself in this... This apartment he built at, at the Veterans Field um, and is doing things that are good. He is doing things? Yes, for for a while. It's not just about him trying to throw parties during right. Phillies games. Like Maybe because now he ha- he knows a lot of things. He can do some of the stuff you were talking about in yours because he gets to know people in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, you know, it can, it it can also place. very much not only be the players, but it can be the staff of the stadium, too. Yeah. Like, he, he starts to involve himself because he has access to everything yeah. 
He knows every league. He's getting kids in to see games that mm-hmm. the other they don't have the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. We can have him get to know people who are always at the games in the bleachers. That's mm-hmm. where he's watching people. Okay. And getting That's to know good. people. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's my question about that. Oop. We good? No, I stepped on a printer. Oh, I thought you like unplugged this or something. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so here's my question about that. The ending of your film is very much in tune with uh, showing how he was being egotistical and he, it didn't go his way, right? Mm-hmm. And that ending can still work if we make him a more likable character. It just makes it much more of a darker film, and it kind of gives it the idea that even when you help people out and stuff, they'll still throw you to the curb for mm-hmm. any reason needed. Ooh, yeah, that is a bit dark. That it? gets very dark if we go that ending. Yeah. So we might want to steer away from the ego of him saying, like, this is my home, and mm-hmm. and and instead we can kind of bring that sentimentality into it from my film. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because if we go that route, the ending is literally, the moral is saying, even though he's helped all these people, they don't need him anymore. Mm. And that becomes a... A very dark comedy. <laughs> the the redeemable aspect of it would be not so much what you're describing has happened, but because his focus has shifted to using this position he's found for himself to hobnob. Yeah. Um, he's stopped associating with these regular Philly fans he got to know. Yeah. And people who live near the field and all these things. Okay, so it's so... not that he's being abandoned by people that he's helped. It's, it's that, that he's, he's abandoning trying them. to move on and up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because then it starts off by him doing good, but then we're showing the degradation of his character. Yeah. Um, is there a redeeming quality in the end? Or or does this become a dark comedy? I mean, obviously I have no objections to dark comedies. Yeah. But I think, hmm. I mean, it might be it might be a good challenge for us to try and figure out try and figure out some kind of turn to the ending. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, in the 1980s, who was the manager of uh, the Phillies? Um, oh, at this point in the 80s? Uh, well, let's, let's have a look. Dallas Green. Dallas He's, Never heard of him. Who led the 1980 Phillies to the World Series. Huh. Uh, yeah, never heard of Dallas Green. I know it's Joe Girardi now, which is a betrayal of my entire existence. Oh, I forgot he moved to the Phillies, yeah. I keep, I intentionally forget about it. <laughs> it's painful every time I look up and I see him wearing red and white. Um, okay. I'm just trying, I want to bring in Stanley Tucci. Yeah, of course. Of <laughs> That's course. the only reason I was asking. Um, uh, we could also do a fake manager. Dallas like you said, you wanted some fake uh, players. Yeah. All right. Dallas Green has passed away. Yeah, 2017, the article I just found said. Um, but we could just bring in Stanley Tucci as the manager or the GM. Yeah. Either yeah, or. We don't have to make it be Dallas Green. Yeah. We don't, and we we ju- don't I enough. think I like the idea of just using, like, one player from the team that's real for every team. Yes. So the Phillies are playing the White Sox, and we bring in one player from the 1980s White Sox team. <laughs> I like that. Everyone else is fictional. Just doing um, snooters with Charlie Day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, so we have the characters. He starts off as someone who is uh, maybe he realizes the gr- the good grace he's been given with this apartment mm-hmm. and what he can do with it. And like you said, he's watching the people in the bleachers, and maybe his maybe his apartment is like right under the bleachers or right by the bullpen or something wherever that was. Yeah, something cool, some cool like that. Yeah, and he's able to witness all these people and i'm guessing veteran stadium especially back in the 80s and stuff probably had some exterior street entrances you know to get to the bleachers and stuff yeah i think it was a bit more accessible than uh than our modern yeah so i'm thinking you know he literally can like help sneak in family like he sees a family a dad and his son that don't have the money to go see the game but the kid's crying he sneaks them in and stuff so we start him off as going Okay, I've been given this gift. Let me see how I can use it. Yeah. Um, oh, like helping, um, helping two people uh, to fall in love. Uh, my 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 pitch there would be like he sneaks 
uh, he sneaks this guy into the the bullpen to meet the star pitcher while he's warming up and get his autograph and he yeah. can give it to the girl. This does become more sentimental, and I think that this gives us more of a a good overarching character driven story. Um, I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna regret saying it. <laughs> I don't see Charlie Day in the role. Increasingly, as we as we move on, it it hurts to say, but yeah. yes. It hurts to it hurts to 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 put him away, but I think he's got the, to, uh, the energy has changed. I think we got to bench him. <laughs> all right, if all right, you get one, I get one. That's it. <laughs> so let's see. Let's think of someone in their forties, yeah. someone who could play the eighties well. Um, play the someone in their forties. They've got to have comedy chops but they also have to have dramatic chops yep. because it is now becoming more of a sentimental story with yeah. some slapstick drug use and yeah. stuff i've like, already we've already snatched up bradley cooper from mike schmidt and yeah. i'm married to that absolutely so <laughs> we can use the idea that like especially it can be like kind of an 80s drug comedy in those scenes yeah yeah um but for the most part it should be a drama i would say um, actors. I'm trying to think of who I would want to use. I also want someone who kind of looks like a schmo. Yeah, so someone that's not like a you know crazy good looking. Ain't no heartthrob. Yeah. You know? Um. Hmm. Huh. Not Krasinski. I have an idea. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Or his legal name, Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. Um, I, I'll be the first to say I don't think I've really watched any of the stuff he's done in his adult life, so I don't know. Yeah, I think I've seen one thing with him as an adult. Yeah. That's um, about it. <laughs> but if we want someone a little bit kind of different and out there, we could go with Whew. him. Yeah, that's a head fake right there, man. Yeah, that's that's definitely a big big change. I'm not a, I'm not opposed to it. Also, just because we just saw like the new Suicide Squad trailer, we need to pitch something with John Cena at some point. Immediately, yes. <laughs> Man is an astoundingly talented comedic actor. <laughs> Seriously, he's funny as all hell. Um What about uh we could do James Franco? I don't, are you serious? <laughs> Always. Like, I don't know. Because you use James Franco. It's like just saying that word is your tick. Yeah. that's The movie is James Franco. Um, I'm trying to find who Rogan? has. Who? Rogan? Is that Joe? Rogan? <laughs> Not Joe. Joe Rogan. I was like, uh, no. Oh, you made me peek the mic so hard. <laughs> um. We just used Seth in Runner's High. Right. I completely forgot. Um, Richard Ayotta? Can he do an American accent? I have no clue. I've never heard him try. Most of this episode, folks, is probably going to be Rob and I finding a new cast. So <laughs> bear well, with yeah, us. The li- lightning will strike within moments. I guarantee you. Yeah, we'll find the guy. It usually does. We'll, we will be talking about something else, and then suddenly it'll show up. Um, I'm trying to, like, you want, like, you want a little bit more of an average person. People, folks at home listening, scream at your phones. We'll hear you. We'll hear you. <laughs> um, average guy. Might be. Farrell, Farrell's a little oh, too old. if we want to go someone similar to, like, Seth Rogen, what about Jason Siegel? It's all done. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Also funny because he's huge. So like, if he's trying to like <laughs> tall guy, yeah, go into like small spaces yeah. and stuff, because um, he's definitely got the dramatic chops. Yeah, um, that's that's why we can't use like Vince Vaughn because we don't need someone, yeah, towering over people and barreling through the field. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, please watch Freaky. It's so funny. It's oh, so that's good. that's the one where he's like a serial killer. So it's Freaky Friday, but with a serial killer switch. So it's him and idea. the I forget her name, the daughter from Blockers, uh, one of the daughters from Blockers, um, 
and it's basically he's a serial killer and switches bodies with her. That's such a good idea. So it's it's Vince Vaughn trying to get his high school friends to help him get away from this killer does who is guy, now this teenage girl. Does the guy keep killing when he becomes a teenage girl? Yep. Oh my and God. the kills are excellent. They're all practical. I think uh, they're mostly practical uh, in, in the kills and stuff. And there's some some good some good effects. I think in some ways, like I can imagine, like you're no longer a huge guy, so it's not a physically easy job anymore. But now you're. You're a hot young woman, so you can just lure people to their doom. Yeah, yeah. There's something really funny when a comedic actor can play the young girl trapped in a man's body, like <laughs> Vince Vaughn or Jack Black in Jumanji. Oh like, God. when it's done right, it's some of the funniest stuff you'll ever see in your life. Yep. It's um, a whole so, different way of holding your body, really. Yeah. So we use Jason Siegel. I love it. We we keep on Bradley Cooper. He's our Mike Schmidt. We can keep Anthony Anderson. Absolutely. Um, and then Tucci's the manager of the Phillies. Yep, Tucci's the manager, and he's got to be like very much the stereotypical 1980s manager. Oh yeah, he's spitting all the time. Yeah, yeah, all the tobacco. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> um. Okay, so let's let's put together more of a cohesive plot mm. uh, and story arc for this. So the fire happens. That's what nineteen seventy seventy. The it, it's nineteen seventy five is when it happened. But we can condense the timeline into yeah, yeah. We can make it the same year as the World Series and the NFC Championship. Yeah. Um, and then he's at a bar. He gets the job because he, you know, he sees like, I don't know the Phillies game. Yep. And uh, someone in the bar mentions like something along. I don't know. He's concession or something. Being like, man, we need more people. You know, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, so he gets a job there. Uh, what is his everywhere. actual job? Um, is he grounds? Uh, is he concessions? Custodial. Custodial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because then he's gonna get the keys and stuff. Um, like part part of it is I, I think it'd be funny is if he have to, he has to be like paid off the books and he can't get like a decent job because he got listed as having died in the fire. Yeah. And he's just having a hard time resolving that legally. He also, yeah, he also has a fake name that he constantly forgets he's using. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just imagine him going to City Hall in Philadelphia and be like, I didn't, I didn't die. Can you, like, revoke that? Well, how do we know that you didn't die? <laughs> because I'm here. Well, yes, but I need it in paperwork. <laughs> That's fine and, and dandy, but uh, I need it written. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what form do I fill out? I can't tell you that. Okay, can you give me a napkin? What do you... <laughs> I'll write no! down I'm not dead. <laughs> I can write it down right here, right now. It's 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 like there's this great uh, TikTok that was going around of what it's like to deal with the IRS. It's yeah. like, a, oh, man, this is my first year filing uh, taxes on my own. Um, do you guys do you guys send me a thing that tells me how much I owe you? No, you have to figure that out for yourself. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Well, how do you know if I get it wrong? Oh, no, we know how much you owe us. You're not going to tell me. Um, okay, if I get it, like, a little bit wrong because it's my first time, is that okay? No, we will come for you. That's <laughs> 100% accurate to dealing with the IRS. And I it's like the so notion good. that he, he oh, can't Oh, we know the answer, but we're not going to give it to you. Yeah. And if you get the answer wrong, we're going to come for you. Yeah, you're going to jail. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Uh, so he he starts working at the stadium. He's got a nice little apartment, probably right by the you know home team bullpen or something. Uh, actually, that's a good question. Is Veteran Stadium? Do they have the bullpens on the field? Uh, well, you know, that, let's that see changes if... stuff a little bit. Yeah, Google Images here. <laughs> this 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 break Google Images break brought to you by uh, I don't know Squarespace. Show me, show me, show me baseball. Show me the baseball. Stadium. Uh, It does not look like they had bullpens on the field. It looks like they're out in the right by the foul poles, I think, maybe. Yeah, it looks like it. So that's good. But that's that's kind of right next to where the stands hang over into the side of them. So that's not because if if he's doing like janitorial stuff, he finds access to this weird open space like loft that's just under the bleachers. Yeah. Funny enough, I don't The roof can even be shit like you can clearly see that the roof of this place is the bleachers. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why it's so it's so fucking huge. Yeah. And especially cuz there's a lot of like there's at least what? Three tiers. Yeah. And he's just going around all of it. <laughs> it was a it was a good stadium, you know, it was it was multi-purpose, so it also had to do for football. Yeah. It was a cookie cutter. Um 
But yeah, that's this that's that's a big parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really big parking lot. It's in this like huge industrial space down uh down in the south, I think. Yeah. Um so yeah, he can like, you know, help out families trying to get in and stuff and maybe Anthony Anderson's girlfriend is trying to go see a game. He can't get tickets, so he helps him out. A lot of small yeah. stuff like that. Little little things. We can throw in like little cameos from actors that we like. That's where yeah. we can start throwing in the and It's maybe, Always Sunny crew. Yeah, and while he's... So we're going more of a sentimental, likable character route. How are we doing the Mike Schmidt thing? Because your idea was that Mike Schmidt doesn't want anything to do with him. I, I, I think Mike Schmidt is the... Oh, there's a storytelling term for this, but he's kind of like a... Like a carrot on the end of a stick, almost in that, like you know, Mike Schmidt is is the fucking hero of, of Philly. Yeah, uh, he's obviously Jason Siegel's hero. Yeah, uh, that's an it's an aspirational thing for him throughout the movie is not just to like encounter Mike Schmidt and get his autograph, but become such an ingrained part of Veterans Stadium that like he knows Mike Schmidt yeah. and Mike Schmidt likes him. Like in his mind, Mike Schmidt's the MVP of the World Series and he calls on Jason Siegel to come out and wear his jersey. <laughs> exactly. And it's like and he you know, Mike Schmidt won't give me the time of day because he makes a lot of money playing baseball. Yeah. And I don't even have a place, so I gotta fix up this place here and I gotta make it seem like I I belong here. All these different things. He's uh he's like the babe in in uh the sandlot yeah. almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he's just that level of figure. And then by the time Jason Siegel does reach that state where he can try and approach Mike Schmidt on somewhat equal footing. Yeah. Now he's just not a nice guy anymore, Jason Siegel, so it just doesn't work out. Yeah. Because Mike Schmidt is a good dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so literally, like, he's trying to be what he thinks Mike Schmidt would want a friend to be. And he's just god awful. It's 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 no. It's bizarre to me now that two Yankee fans are sitting here and making a really nice movie about Mike Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's... Like, this is this is an indescribably painful process, guys. <laughs> Look, I'll be the first to say it, and I feel like you'll be the first to say it as well. So it makes you the second to say it. Uh, we may be Yankee fans, but we're baseball fans. Yeah. So you know, that's that's the way we go. Um, Similar to like a lot of how people feel about like Jerry Seinfeld being like, oh, he's a Mets fan. It's like, yeah, he's a Mets fan, but he's just a New York fan. Yeah, like, he just likes. I'm happy when the Mets are doing well. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't doesn't affect us at all until the playoffs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want another Subway series. I would that love a Subway series. It's never gonna I can't wait again. to go see games again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you so, know what? Holy shit! We're releasing this episode on opening day. That's tomorrow. I, I don't know why that didn't occur to me until just now. Nice. We're, we're going to do something related to baseball on on MLB opening day. It's twenty twenty one. Hell yeah. Um. So we got uh, we got this going. What is his turning point? I I I think he he there's there's a moment where he like invites some people back to this space after a game to hang out and party and. Yeah, it's the 70s. Maybe they'll do a little blow, but Players? it's not like a thing. No, just like people he knows. Okay. But like somebody is brought along of a higher status um, who is extremely impressed by this because he's made like a, he's made an awesome apartment yeah. by this point in the movie. Like the place looks good. Yeah. It's like a baseball Mr. Megorium's Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> good it's this, it's I didn't just, know anyone knows that movie. <laughs> it's I don't I don't actually know that I've ever seen it. It's but I, I feel like I can just do the whole movie. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, yeah, I almost want it to be this weird sort of like nearly impossible space. Yeah. In 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 the movie, it's just like a huge empty space under a bleacher, yeah. enclosed and perfect for an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Like even more uh, impressive than what the guy actually got in real life. Uh, yeah, and that's how he starts meeting people who are like doing development in Philly, and like, like you mean like contractors and things, like yeah. actual development people with money. Yeah, that he starts like having over after games. It, he he wants to. He figures he can now start making a quick buck by creating his own kind of like VIP club mm -hmm. uh, for for the stadium, and that just changes him. So. Ooh, <laughs> I did it away from the mic so they didn't know. Um, I had a long day. Um, is there? A re there's got to be a redeeming quality, uh, considering the ending is that he does kind of get tossed. 
because he's basically become too big for his own good. Yeah. Um, but there needs to be a redeeming quality since we don't want him to be an unlikable character. It's just got to be a character that, oh, you know, a lot of things went to his head. Yeah. And uh, that happens a lot. Um, yeah, I feel like he, he definitely leaves people behind over the course of the film. Anthony Anderson being the main. Yeah. And at the end, he's, he's kicked out of Veterans Stadium uh, and onto the street. Uh, I, I like the idea of him, like maybe Anthony Anderson's down on his luck and trying to get, he's trying to get Jason Siegel to give him a job or, or get him a job at the stadium. And Jason at that point is kind of like, I don't know, you, you know where, you know, I have the apartment there and I feel like I just don't want word getting out and I just don't know if it's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's, he's straight up just tossed out of the stadium. At this point, he has started using Veteran Stadium as his mailing address. <laughs> and so they, oh, and you got some fucking mail, and they throw a parcel on his lap, and it's the documents that say he's now legally alive again. <laughs> uh, and he goes, he goes back to that same bar to just have a beer and nurse his black eye. <laughs> and, like, Anthony Anderson's there, but also, like, all these people that he's been helping out over the course of the film yeah. are, are there. And there's this kind of moment of just, like, reproachment where they all share a beer and mm-hmm. they watch the end of the the nfc game oh i like that so okay so wait is the ending gonna be when they won the world series the world series will be as a character kind of his high watermark because i kind of like the idea that he's not there for it i kind Ooh. of like the idea that it happens after he's been kicked out yeah. And he realizes that he was never a part of it. It's kind of his bringing him back down to earth moment. Ooh, yeah, that's that's kind of better cuz we don't necessarily need to have it's a short time between the It can be a whole season. The the, the movie can take place throughout yeah. a season. Um yeah, I think that that might be a good idea. He thinks he's building to the World Series It's yeah. like, you know. So like during the playoffs, like maybe maybe during like the uh the ALCS, he gets kicked out. And he's like, no, I can't be kicked out now. We're so close. We're just about to clinch the pennant, blah, 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 blah. Let's see. What game did they win this year? They won the series in game six. So he, he, can, he, can, be, he can get into the World Series. So you think but, maybe... Bef- but game six, he's not He's got to be gone by game six at yeah. least. He's, he's, um, it's, this is the big day. I think he's gone by like game three. Okay. He's gone by like game three and it's his reflecting and he's trying to find places to watch it. Maybe Anthony Anderson's forgiven him and letting him sleep on a couch. Yeah. Because okay, who, so who is it against again? Uh, the Royals. The Royals. Okay. Uh, so that'd be like, I guess, George Brett. Yeah, Brett would be around 1980, um, right? So I guess, I think if they did it the way they do now, game one and two would be in Philly. Mm-hmm. Game three and four would be in Kansas. And then five, six would then be Then five and Philly. six would be in Philly. Yeah. So... So he gets kicked out when they're away. So he doesn't even get his quote-unquote goodbye with the stadium because mm-hmm. the team's not there. Yeah, they go back on the road, and yeah, he's he's he's, pre- he's preparing for the homestand. Yeah, and that's when he gets kicked mm-hmm. out. So he's not – yeah, I like that because he's not there for the, the win, and that's his bringing him down to earth moment where he realizes I was yeah. never actually a part of this. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because no human in their right mind would think they were a part of this. Yeah. But for him, it was so real and it was so palpable, he could taste it. And then it was yeah. taken away from him. That's, that's, that gives me an idea. I think that might be like, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase it. That's the tagline of the film. Like, he, he ate, s- s- breathed, and slept the Philadelphia Phillies. I, don't, I can't remember the way to phrase that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who are we going with the director? Do we go with Spielberg or do we go with McKay? I. I, I I mean Spielberg. Yeah, is, I, us- is almost always the answer to that question. <laughs> do we go with blank or do we go with Spielberg? Well, yeah, Spielberg. So, mm. um, what I, are you asking me for? <laughs> get out of here. Get him. Get him. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's. Man, I would love to see Jason Siegel work with Steven Spielberg, because when Spielberg, so would Jason Siegel. <laughs> well, yeah, when Spielberg works on small scale, it's so heartwarming Mm. when he does movies like the terminal and things like that like and then of course like you know there's the big movies like you know one of my favorite movies of all time is always gonna be shawshank uh, Shawshank redemption i don't know why i just said that uh one of my favorite movies of all time is always gonna be saving private ryan um because it's a huge scale but you know even i guess i don't know was jaws technically big scale i think that was a huge 
I think that was a, a... It was not, a, like, a huge production. Right. I mean, yeah. nothing worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and then he got, like, Ready Player summer. One and shit like that. Um, but, yeah, and I, when he works on a small scale, I think he really finds good heart in it. And I guess technically it's not small scale, but the post, you know? I, it, it's, it's, it's it's not a question of scale. It's a question of the, the intimacy. Yes, 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 yes. Of, that's, you know, that's better put. Because the post is... Strictly speaking, a very grand story yes. of, yeah, of American politics, but it's also a very intimate story of this newsroom and an editor and their publisher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's what it is. It's not scale. It's it's yeah. a question of intimacy. Uh, and I think this movie definitely has that intimacy there because it's a realistic character. Yeah. Uh, it's a realistic character with fantastical thoughts um, and fantastical issues. Yeah. And I think that's... I think that's really where we got this yeah. one. It's it's a relatable notion. I mean, you know, if I wound up living in Yankee Stadium, yeah, there'd be a period of absolute fear yeah. <laughs> of yeah. discovery. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, we're human beings, so we get used to anything. And then there'd be a point where you're telling people that Aaron Judge is your roommate, you yeah. know, like... <laughs> So yeah, sometimes yeah, you know, sometimes I shower when Aaron's in there. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah, we see. You know, it's a big show. Everybody's in. It. Everybody's in. It. <laughs> and it's just a cut to them being like, "Can you get out of here?" <laughs> oh, almost done. I got. You got to leave the conditioner in for like two minutes. <laughs> I air dry. I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're definitely going with "Caught Stealing" as the title because that's that's brilliant. Uh, well done. Um, <laughs> I think I think we got a movie. Yeah, I want. Yeah, this wound up being. I mean, I came into something. Uh, this was something very unlikable. So this wound up being a lot more likable than yeah, I thought. Yeah, we I were actually, I'm very, I'm very proud of the sentimentality that we we put yeah. into this one. Um, and I think, uh, I think we got a movie here, guys. I think we got a movie. <laughs> so guys, uh, guys, folks, gals, humans, uh, animals, whatever you guys are listening to this. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, happy opening day. Um, if you're not a baseball fan, sorry you sat through that whole thing. Uh, hopefully you like film, because uh, that's why we're here. Um, same old, same old, everybody. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter. We are working on getting an Instagram set up soon mm -hmm. with some interesting art uh, that we will be uh, showcasing. On Very that, fun on collaborations coming your way. Um as always, send us articles, pitch us your movie based on this article, give us some titles, cast, directors, tweet at us, follow us, like us, follow us, like us, subscribe, share, send it to your friends and family so that they can listen. Uh, you know, we got a pretty decent backlog at this point, so we hope you all all have found at least an episode that, that really uh, really tickles your fancy. Yeah, we're almost at 30 episodes. I've never made 30 anything. I know, right? <laughs> And we're 30. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's really all I got, guys. Uh, hopefully everyone out there is getting vaccinated when you can. Um, hopefully you're all staying safe. And uh, that's what I got. Yeah, thankfully I'm now uh, fully vaccinated and thus cannot be killed by conventional means. I'm a half-vax. Mm, mm, okay, so you're, you're, like, you're like an Achilles level. <laughs> they dipped me by the ankle yeah. <laughs> into the vat of vaccine. Yeah. But meanwhile, guys, we are all preciously close to being able to be with each other again. Let's just keep it up and keep bullshitting about movies. Legit. That's why we're here, right? <laughs> well, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Vice. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Vice. 